I don't mean in any way to be disrespectful to anyone here, but I'm a bit disheartened and discouraged this morning. Not because of you, but because last week the church was totally filled with people. Last week we were so overflowed we had to have parking control. And here we are, in a sense, back to normal. Thanks be to God for that. But you hear, like you hear in the Acts of the Apostles, how in the early church, in one day they added thousands to the Lord. And people were flocking to them. And the apostles were going out to the ends of the known world and meeting with success. And you think to yourself, what am I as a pastor? What am I as a person of faith? Right? In one way, shape, or form, probably all of us know many or some of our friends and family members who aren't with us and rarely come to church. I'm a millennial, and I saw a study last week that 50%, more than 50% of my peers never go to church anymore. They go less than once a year. And it's, it's heartbreaking. It's discouraging. It's like, why, Lord, have you called me to this? What is this? I see this in the Acts of the Apostles. But then we hear this wonderful line, this curious line from St. John in the very beginning of the book of Revelation. I, John, your brother, who share with you the distress. Another way of translating this word would be tribulation. And then he goes on to the kingdom and the endurance we have in Jesus. But he starts off with that tribulation. It's a good reminder to us that St. John, of all the apostles, was the only one who did not die for the faith. So here is St. John at the end of his life, exiled on the island of Patmos. He has seen, yes, this wonderful flourishing of the church, but he's also seen his dearest and most beloved friends and also other disciples put to death for the faith. And so, instead of looking at this as a moment of being discouraged and disheartened, we embrace the reality of being called to be a disciple of Jesus, and we share in the hope that we celebrate today. Because in the Gospel, Jesus shows us two wonderful truths of our faith. The first one is this, is that Jesus comes back for the one lost sheep. And the second is this, the lost sheep is not perfect. We dig deeper into this. Jesus comes back for the one lost sheep. He tells us this in the Gospel. I am the good shepherd who forsakes the 99 for the one. On Easter Sunday, he rises from the dead, goes to the apostles. Thomas isn't there, so he comes back for Thomas. In the same way, he comes back for you and for me. He does all of this for you. He desires you. He loves you. He is alive. And in his life that has no end, in the resurrection from the dead, all that he does for all eternity is to pursue you. You are the one for whom God has risen from the dead and comes. He never tires. He never relents in his love of you and me. In the same way that he came into the upper room for Thomas, he comes to you and to me this day to give us a stout heart, to help us deepen our faith, to strengthen us for the mission upon which he is sending us. 
And he does so when he comes into that upper room. He doesn't come in power and might. Yes, he does come through a locked door, and that's impossible for someone who is living, but he is fully and totally united to the divinity. There's no barrier between his divinity and humanity now. He comes through that locked door, and he offers to you the same thing he offered to the church, to St. Thomas, to the apostles. What are the first words of the risen Lord in the Gospel of John? Peace. To the church, I should say. He talks to Mary in the garden. But to the church, peace. Peace. Yes, there is distress and tribulation. Yes, there is discouragement and difficulty. But the Lord and the Lord alone offers you and me peace. And he shows us the means by which he obtains peace for us. His wounds. Remember, friends, the, you, the resurrected body, the perfect body of God incarnate, needs not to bear the wounds. He is perfectly glorified, and yet God chooses to keep those wounds on his glorified body to show you and me the means by which we are saved, and as St. Peter tells us in his first epistle, the means by which we too share in that resurrection, through our wounds, through our brokenness. And this gets to that second piece. He comes to the broken, to St. Thomas. He comes to a man who has doubts, who has difficulties, who struggles. He comes to a man who is discouraged, who is confused. Imagine if all of your friends told you that another friend who just died last week is risen from the dead. That would be a very confusing week for you. And they would not stop talking about it. And you would grow in your doubts and in your difficulties. But what this shows us, and this is so powerful and beautiful, is that Jesus, yes, he comes to St. Thomas, but St. Thomas also seeks the Lord. St. Thomas is okay to be wrong. He is not stubborn. He is humble of heart. He recognizes that I don't know everything, that maybe there is something greater than that which I can know on my own. And because he's willing to humble himself, to make himself low, to do something that is insane, God comes through that locked door and loves him and meets him. And he desires the same for us. And so our response is to go to the Lord, not in our haughtiness, but in our lowliness. To recognize, I don't have all the answers, but he does. And I am willing to put aside my ideologies, my politics, all of those things that I have in this world, power, honor, pleasure, wealth, privilege. I'm willing to cast all of that aside for a glimpse, for a potential encounter with God resurrected from the dead. And this is exactly what Jesus desires for us. And when he comes to us and when we go to him, humble of heart, we are blown away. It was a pious practice. A lot of kids were taught this years ago, and I would encourage you to do so. But at the elevation of the blessed sacrament and the precious blood at Mass, to mumble under your breath, my Lord and my God. Because yes, in our distress, in our discouragement, in our difficulties, God comes to us. And this should allow us all of us to dream, to be able to dream and to hope and to be excited about what the world has in store for us. 
God willing, I have 40 or 50 more years of priesthood ahead of me. It is going to be incredibly difficult work. And I thank God every day for the opportunity to be invited into that. To build a church, not that was fit for the church of 100 or 200 or even 50 years ago, but to build a church and to renew God's church, to bring it to a world in need. This is the constant call of the disciples. This is the power of Jesus who is living He didn't just rise once, he is alive in the church, in us, in the faith. And do we have the courage, the conviction, the tenacity to be audacious enough to say maybe God is calling us to build a parish where personal relationships and authentic encounter with each other are the most important thing. Or we're not just another bureaucracy or another non-governmental organization, but where we can meet and love people where they are and then invite them into formation, invite them into that saving encounter with God. Not because we are great, but because we know God's greatness and desire to share it with them. And maybe the church won't look like what it does now 50 years from now, but thanks be to God for that. Because it is a living church. And we are a part of that blessed be God and thanks be to him. And today, we celebrate what it looks like to be, as Pope Francis would say, kind of a messy church, a field hospital. Because in a few moments, we're going to baptize uh, Rylan and Rowan. And how Nate and Kelsey, who were received in the church last week, came to St. Paul's, it's not some fancy thing. It's not because they were driving down 17th Street and said, hey, that looks like a fun place to go. It's because they were on a journey. And they were encountering people, and someone said, hey, to Nate, you should go talk to Father Patrick. I don't even know who that person was. I don't even know if I know that person. And Nate emailed me, and we said this about two years ago. We set up a time to talk. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. I'm like, you know whose story this sounds a lot like? Tim Gregson, our music director. I'm going to put those two in touch. And we're going to build a relationship here. We're just going to walk and encounter and see where this leads. And thanks be to God, it's led them home into the fullness of the church. And it's about to be receiving more graces through the full reception of their children into the church. This is what it looks like. Yeah, it's discouraging. Yeah, we can be like St. John in that distress, in that tribulation. But God is greater than that. God rose from the dead. God rises from the dead. God will rise from the dead because Jesus is alive. And blessed are we who are called to share in that this day and every day of our life.